I'm not even supposed to be podcasting today. Hey guys, welcome back to Capacity to Geek. I'm Alex, and I'm joined as always with Bobby and Walter. Hey guys. Hello. How are we doing this week, boys? I'm pretty alright. Doing pretty good. Today we're going to do a first for Capacity to Geek. It's our first TV show, and it's probably one of the only TV shows we're going to do a full retrospective on. This week we talked about one of my favorite little gems. It's related to something that we all have an appreciation for. Today we're talking about Clerks, the animated series, the very short-lived ABC animated sitcom created by Kevin Smith based off of his Clerks characters. Now, before we start, I watched all the episodes. I actually have the box set with all six, yes, six episodes of this show. I got it from Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash in Red Bank, New Jersey. Uh, I went there, I want to say senior year of high school. I went to the Quick Stop and I went to the Secret Stash. Um, I believe that one's still up. I know there was one in California, uh, but they closed that one down a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, the Secret Stash in uh, Red Bank, it's really fun. Uh, that's where the setting of the show Comic Book Men. Do you guys remember Comic Book Men? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was such a good show. Um, but that's the setting of where it was. Uh, I was there on Sunday, so there wasn't really anybody from the show there working at the time, which was kind of a bummer, but uh, that was okay. It was still a really good, fun time. I got some, uh, I got a copy of issue number one of the Clerks comic book signed by Kevin Smith. They had. They obviously have a lot of Kevin Smith stuff signed there. I got a copy of that. I got a movies hat from there. I got some stickers. Uh, I got a ton of stuff from there. And uh, so, yeah, I'm a big Kevin Smith guy. You know, I've uh, really appreciated him for years, uh, his movies. Uh, I was born the year Mallrats came out, so it's kind of a really special movie for me. Um, you guys... Uh, Bobby, I know you've seen this show before, a few episodes, or the whole thing? I've seen the full thing. The full thing? Okay. <clears throat> it's been quite a few years, though. And Walter, you've not seen this show, right? I've seen bits and pieces, but never really a full episode. Okay, alright. So, yeah, just one more thing on Kevin Smith. Uh, I attended his uh, I attended his Q&A session, C2E2. Uh, why don't we say 2013, an evening with Kevin Smith. Uh, C2E2 2013, and um, on that Q&A, he encouraged everybody to try out podcasting, listening to podcasts, or maybe start your own podcast if you have something to, um, something to say or something to talk about, or you just want to have some time with good friends. And I want to say that that kind of changed my life a bit. I mean, I got into podcasting, I met a ton of people with very similar interests to me, you know, the whole Star Wars Action News crew, um, last podcast on the left, all these great, great podcasts that I've listened to over the years, it wouldn't have been it if it wasn't for Kevin Smith. It comes needless to say that this podcast would not be a thing if it wasn't for the man, Kevin Smith. Tell us about your experiences with Kevin Smith. So where could I possibly start? I want to say probably the first Kevin Smith movie I've seen was Dogma. It was really, like, the only Kevin Smith movie that my parents would approve of, I guess you could say. Like, I know my mom loved the movie. 
Dogma's so good. Oh, yeah. And of course, you know, kind of, sort of, at least in one scene, based in McHenry, Illinois. Oh, yeah, they do mention McHenry, <laughs> Illinois there, where um, uh, these two goons inhabit. Um, and I know you've seen you've seen my picture with it, but there is a Buddy Christ statue in the secret stash. I'm still f***ing jealous of that. <laughs> um... But as far as, like, all Kevin Smith movies, I'm pretty sure I've seen every single one of them. There's only one that I didn't really enjoy, and that was... It's like a love-hate relationship. It's definitely Tusk. Tusk I yeah. really loved Red State. Oh, Red, Red State, <laughs> I feel, is really underappreciated. Yeah? Well, um, just because I didn't mention it earlier, I've seen every movie that takes place in the Universe. So, Clerks, Small Rats, Clerks 2... Dogma, Chasing Amy. Um, I haven't seen Jane Silent Bob reboot that did just come out, and it's in select theaters. So maybe when it's a DVD release, we'll all uh, get a bit at it. And it's worth it to mention that those select theaters are very expensive. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Walter, how about you? Oh. Well, the first the well, the first Kevin Smith movie I ever saw was the original Clerks. And I fell in love with it right away. It is, to this day, probably the one movie that I can put on. And it just raises my mood. I could be just in a terrible mood, just not wanting anything to do with anything. Watch that movie, and nothing's wrong anymore. One of the most successful independent films of the 1990s, maybe if all time. Yeah. Um. yeah Kevin Smith despite what a lot of people say about Kevin Smith where they say that he sells out or that he hasn't really done a good movie since Clerks 2 or that he just uses the same jokes over and over again and they're not funny anymore if they were ever funny at all but we do have to thank Kevin Smith for his contribution to independent filmmaking he made the dream real kind of nobody's had a story like he has where he would shoot the film at night at the convenience store that he was working at he sold his comic book collection did all this just to make a film that he expected to go bankrupt from and didn't didn't the film almost not get made because of uh some sort of flooding in his home i think so yeah there was a flooding in his home that uh he thought erased a lot of the footage but he actually was able to salvage it and everything so selling his comic book collection which i mean the three of us could probably attest to that oof you know i got a nice short box that i wouldn't want to get rid of but i i cherish my collection of comics and graphic novels bobby you probably feel the same way about your chinese animation girl statues <laughs> <laughs> that's rough <laughs> I don't collect those. It's alright, it's gonna be on bloopers anyway. <laughs> Wait, what about that little um, uh, red and blue one you have? What red and blue one? <laughs> oh, you know. Um, <laughs> I hot glued that one a long time ago. Do you know what I mean? Oh, jeez. Oh, Bob. Oh, jeez. As much as people want to make fun or discredit Kevin Smith, he's definitely living the dream where you make a film with your friends and your loved ones and, you know, it becomes famous. It's 
probably turnaround wise, it's one of the most successful. It is the most successful, one of the most successful independent films of all time. Probably Paranormal Activity took over that, but I don't know if that counts because they actually remade the movie. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know where it counts, but we're not talking about Clerks today, boys. We're talking about Clerks the Animated Series, which a lot of people could say that this is kind of like the downfall of Kevin Smith. This is one of his first projects that kind of really didn't stick to the wall. Well, was this before or after Geely? Did he do Geely? No, 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 he did Jersey Girl. This was... Before Jersey Girl. Much before, I believe. Wasn't Jersey Girl like 2002? Yeah, this ended in 2002. Yeah, yeah, because I know this, yeah, from 2000 to 2002. This is, you know, this is probably one of Kevin Smith's first failures, especially with the Clerks property. So I said a word a while ago, uh, the Universe, which we know what that means, but maybe mm. not a lot of people know what that means. Uh, before the MCU came out, uh, we had the Universe, which was kind of Kevin Smith's little world where he did a lot of things that the MCU eventually did do, where the characters are all interconnected, and he kind of does it better because a lot of characters return all the time, not just Jay and Silent Bob, but uh, I know that uh, in Chasing Amy doesn't... Uh, Oh, it's the brother of uh, Dante, one of the main characters in Clerks. His brother appears, and uh, there's similar events happening. They, I believe, I believe that Clerks and Mallrats happen within the same week as one another because they're talking about a funeral for a character in Clerks, where in Mallrats she dies the day before. So it is within the same week, and they are in Leonardo, New Jersey. But uh, the Universe uh, spans Clerks, Mallrats, Dogma, Chasing Amy. I think I'm flipped those two, isn't it? That would be Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, and then Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back. Right. Clerks too. Mm-hmm. And Jane Silent Bob reboot then. Jane Silent Bob Super Groovy cartoon movie. That's not canon. Which speaking of the Super Groovy cartoon movie, um, when you think of Kevin Smith animation, you think of two different kinds of Kevin Smith animation. One would be the one that we saw today, where it's like this crisp, clear, just uh, re- very reminiscent of '90s cartoons kind of animation, and then it's that very choppy almost looks like kindergarten druid groovy cartoon movie animation that he does sometimes i don't think he incorporated that kind of animation in this time uh he was definitely doing the clerks animated animation and uh clerks x which released in 1994 was a box set the 10th anniversary of the 10th anniversary of clerks which uh has the alternate ending we know where dante dies oof yeah I'm really glad that he didn't do that because, yeah. yeah, he just didn't know how to end the movie. And the th- the thing is, I love Clerks, and I've seen the version with the alternate ending. It just doesn't work with the overall feel of the movie. Right. It's just, everything else is like, hey, Dante's finally on the up, and then you end it with 
getting killed. Well, I don't know if he's finally on the up at the end of it. I mean, it's it seems like a normal day goes by. I mean, uh, I don't want to talk a lot about the movie. One, because that's not the subject today. And also, two, it would have to be an uncensored episode. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's some stuff that happens in the movie that uh, <laughs> we cannot mention on a family show. No. Nope. Um, but I'll say this, uh, Clerk's X does do a scene that he didn't do where they actually do go to the funeral and it shows, because in the actual movie there's a scene where they're about to leave for the funeral and there's a scene where they're driving away after being chased off by a mob and we finally get to see what happens between that and it's animated in the Clerk's animated style, which is still a very nice style. I mean, this was kind of the thing that kevin smith did back then and uh i know he had a line he called they call them in action figures because they are kind of like amiibo like statues that don't move um and they were in the clerk's animated style which you know i i really like this animation style we should probably get into the show now like i said we are doing a full series retrospective uh it was kind of easy because this entire series is only six episodes long. Each episode's about 22 minutes. So in a day, we watched the entire series and we recorded on it. So kind of easy. Yeah, when it only takes, what, maybe two and a half hours to watch the whole thing? Right. Uh, Bobby, do you have any background on this show? So fun fact, I guess I accidentally deleted my show notes. So there's that. The animated series. I know that it was a very short-lived, ran on ABC, didn't get all its episodes. Definitely uh, did not get all of its episodes. Yeah, all six episodes did not air. I believe they only got the three episodes, <coughs> or maybe four. So the series aired out of order, which is usually fine for an animated series that is episodic and not an overarching story, say like something like Steven Universe or Avatar The Last Airbender. But uh, the only thing is that the second episode aired before the first episode, which is a little unfortunate because the second episode is a, air quotes here, clip show, which shows clips of the first episode. And they specifically mentioned that it happened to them last week. So, yeah, someone kind of messed up there. Um, but I didn't watch this on ABC. The first time I saw this show was on Adult Swim, which, you know, the old Adult Swim thing. They take shows that nobody loved, and uh, they air it on their network, and they get a cult following, like uh, that show about the future. I don't know. You mean you mean uh, Futurama, no, a that show one. that everybody loves? No, not that one. No, not that one. The other one. Cowboy Bebop. Excuse you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I could get your weave to come out. <laughs> You're the reason why production on the live-action version of Cowboy Bebop... Nobody's supposed to know that I pushed John Cho off that building. You monster. How could you do that to Harold? I don't know. I wanted to. All he wanted was some White Castle. Oh, God, are we really making this joke in 2018? Walter, I'm going to push you off a building. It's 2019! He's living in the, uh... The past. The past. Like you are. 
you bitch. And that's my one per episode. <laughs> anyway, so unlike the original network, we're going to go through these in order. So, Bobby, why don't you tell us about the first episode? Episode 1, Leonardo Leonardo returns and Dante has an important decision to make. Also, side note, I am most likely not going to read all of these episode titles because, comma, they are stupidly long. Well, give us an example. What's this one? I just said this one. Wait, that's the that's the title? Yes, Leonardo Leonardo returns and Dante has an important decision to make. Oh, that just sounds like the synopsis. Wow. That's so, literally the synopsis. Oh my god. So, um... You hear some familiar voices in this show. Uh, Jeff Anderson, Brian O'Halloran, Kevin Smith, and Jason Mewes all reprise their character roles, which, in any other show of this era, based on a movie, would be an amazing feat. If they weren't just Kevin Smith and all his friends. So, one question I had, uh, or... One question I rather brought up to you guys is, do you think this is canon? I mean, I'm pretty sure Jay and Silent Bob didn't, you know, blow up a building in the VOSC universe canon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure just with things that happen throughout this entire series that it is very much not canon. I, I think we can go ahead and call this T-level canon. Yeah. Yeah, T-level canon, maybe. But all jokes aside, this is definitely a different uh, cast of characters that we have here. Um, th- they do mention this in the last episode, because they de- they make a joke about not... Uh, they make a joke about the TV show not being anything like the movie, uh, where they don't swear, where they leave the store, where they go off and do these wacky adventures. Everything's... Um, Everything's in color. Thank you, Walter. Wait your turn, asshole. But, uh, everything is definitely more kid-friendly, maybe because it was airing on ABC uh, when it did. Um, for example, Jane Silent Bob in the movie are drug dealers. They definitely mention that. Um, Jay has a shirt with the cartoon blunt on it, but they are definitely drug dealers in Clerks where it's mentioned in the first episode. I'm not sure about any other episodes, but uh, they're fireworks dealers in this one, which is a lot safer for kids. But they still are the standout episode. They still are some of the standout characters. Um, They smoke, and uh, they still do kind of adult lewd humor on this show, which makes it very suitable for Adult Swim, definitely, but... I can definitely tell why it got pulled off the air of ABC and the number of episodes that did eventually get released. Yeah, this definitely seems more like an Adult Swim light show than one of their more push-the-boundary shows, say, like, Robot Chicken. Um, This definitely falls in line with Family Guy, American Dad. Yeah. Or at least how Family Guy was in that era. Because Family Guy definitely does push the button. Family Guy definitely does push the boundaries now. 
a lot more than it did back in 2000, 2001. Actually, I think that was when Family Guy was canceled, right? Initially. Yeah. Initially, initially. I think it initially got canceled in 2003, and then Adult Swim picked it up and kind of saved it. Yeah. Like we say, Adult Swim saves shows that nobody wants. Thanks, Adult Swim. This episode is not brought to you by Adult Swim. No. And, and now Family Guy has gone on for far too long and they need to stop it. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Fox. Or Disney. Thanks, Disney. <laughs> so, Leonardo Leonardo comes back, like Bobby said in the episode title, uh, and this is a surprise. The biggest name on the show, Alec Baldwin, is a recurring character on this show. Mm-hmm. The Alec Baldwin. The Donald Trump on SNL. Alec Baldwin. The guy who verbally accosted his 12-year-old daughter in a voicemail, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. The Alec Baldwin. And uh, he kind of plays kind of a a Mr. Burns-esque figure in this, where his family is the town... Where his family founded the town of Leonardo, which is a real town in New Jersey. That's where the actual quick stop is, so that wasn't something that Smith came up with and everything, but um, he moves back, he gets a giant building, which we see in later episodes, but he also makes something called the quicker stop, which is kind of just this bigger quick stop, which is meant to take the quick stop and run it to the ground out of business. Um, one thing I can say, and I kept saying while we were watching all these episodes, they go by fast. They, they go by super fast, except I have problems with the last episode just because it seems a little bit longer than the other ones, mainly because the jokes don't hit as well. Yeah, I feel like definitely the first five episodes are very fast paced, very, the jokes all hit, but we'll talk about it more in the last episode they didn't really hit as well in the final episode right and uh yeah so they end up saving the day um it definitely seems like a pilot episode where they establish you know who Dante and Randall are Jane Silent Bob we meet them for the first time uh, we're introduced to Leonardo. We're introduced to all the main players in this show. And, uh, you know, very solid so far. Um, all right, Bobby, why don't we talk about episode two? Episode number two, the clip show wherein Dante and Randall are locked in the freezer and remember some of the great moments in their lives. So... Literally the synopsis once again. <laughs> We've come a long way from the... No, I'm not going to make a fucking Friends joke. Fuck <laughs> Friends. Anyway. So, like I mentioned earlier, episode two is a clip show? Of a show that's only had one episode. And I kind of love it. Because it works very well as a clip show. Where all the clips are new clips, except maybe 20% of them. Yeah, it's a lot of... 
flashback to younger points in their lives, which the running joke is they've always like been the same people. Right. We do see them reminisce about the time they first met, where it's supposed to be 15 years ago, and uh, I forget what year they flashback to. I'm guessing it would be... 85. 85, yeah. So, yeah, about 15... Well, duh, 15 years from 2000 would be 1980. So, there is a scene where they meet for the first time where they flash back to 15 years ago in 1985, and they're the exact same character models. Yeah. And, uh... The very next scene is when they're kids, and they mention that it's in the 70s. I'm going to guess that it's about... Let's say... 1976 because yeah maybe they were about six seven years old in that clip yeah but they're wearing the exact same clothes just (laughs) smaller versions smaller versions of that which i mean i get it for a cartoon you can have the characters wear the same clothes all the time but i do love tv shows that have them change clothes all the time um as told by Ginger, a Class B Chupo production, they wear different outfits every single episode. Maybe several different episodes. Uh, maybe several different outfits per episode. But I do love animation that kind of has that little detail to it. Not a lot of shows do that, admittedly. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. Yeah, most shows, if you think about it, the characters pretty much dress the same. I mean, Walter's been wearing that Punisher hoodie for like four weeks now and we're starting to not he's taking it off ladies and gentlemen I need an adult I need to leave the room we've decided at this point not to mention the stains for the goodwill of the show and the people who listen (laughs) you're not funny that's not what our ten viewers say bitch (laughs) anyway you're only supposed to have one per episode I'm not even sure what that one is supposed to be. I just say it's my one per episode. <laughs> I mean, so far we're at four, it's fine. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, well, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Um, but we do get a little bit of callbacks to the movie, actually, because Caitlin Bree is a character in that movie, um, and she is in this show an ex to Dante who cheated on him. I think we only see her once in the car scene. If not, it's just the back of her head. I cannot remember that. Yeah. I'm blanking on it, but I don't think we see her at all throughout the show. No, but we hear her. Yeah, we hear her at the end. Um, I'm not sure if they got the same actress back to play Caitlin Bree. I know that she did die recently. I... But, um... I'm kind of surprised they didn't bring back Vanessa, which was my favorite character in the movie, who is the girlfriend of Dante at the time, who eventually gets mad because he finds out that she's... Because she finds out that he's still talking to Caitlyn, and they end up breaking up. Oh. And they are a little jaded because Dante finds out something about her... 37? 
Yeah, we're not going to mention that on the show, but if you guys know, you know. <laughs> anyway, so I actually did meet her when I went to San Diego Comic-Con in 2014. Really? Yeah, I have a picture with her somewhere. I don't think I have a picture. I think she charged for pictures, but I did meet her, and she is very nice, and I asked her if she'd be in Clerks 3. She said she'd be up for it. I did remember news saying that she was going to be in it, but then she dropped out of it. I don't even know. Um, we'll talk about Clerks 3 at the end, just because we have a bit to say about that. Also, yes, Lisa Spoonhauer did voice Caitlin Bree in Clerks Animated. She came back? Yes. Okay, and she's dead, right? Yes, as of May 20th, 2017, yeah. the dead do not live. Oh, God, yes, that's one of my favorite jokes. Which was in the first episode. The dead live. God damn it. This this show just has the most irreverent humor. And I love it. Where it's just the most nonsensical stuff. Like there's a scene at the end where they're stuck in a hockey rink. And they can't get out because the halfway gate like to their waist is locked. (laughs) (laughs) So they decide to go to a door which leads to a burn ward. Another burn ward. Another burn ward because they got locked in a burn ward earlier. And then left and then went into a second burn ward. Right, yes, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I said that Alec Baldwin was the biggest name in this show, I forgot that Gilbert Godfrey uh, shows up and does some voices. He's the voice of uh, Jerry Seinfeld and he's the voice of Patrick Swayze in the third episode. So they actually got some big names for this, and that's kind of that's kind of nice. Um, so, anything you guys want to say about the second episode? I just loved how ridiculous it was. How they always showed them getting stuck in the most random, absurd places. Right, and I did have some gripes because they're locked in a freezer at the quick stop. For the first, uh, the first time they're locked in, they're locked into a freezer, and the three of us have worked retail. I don't work at retail anymore. You guys manage retail and all that. Uh, you can easily get out of freezers like that. Yeah. There are doors right there. You would just have to knock over a few gallons of milk. Right, yeah, the dairy doors, you just get yeah. out through there and everything. And uh, Bobby even said there's a door for the eggs. Once upon a time at my store, there was. Then they moved the eggs over to where the butter currently is. I'm pretty sure those panels are still there. They're still movable. So you just move the butter? Yes. And it's butter. You can't really ruin butter. Right. No. It just becomes soft butter. Exactly. And I mean, like, in the event of a power outage, the butter's ruined anyway. It's really the only way that you're going to get locked in the dairy cooler. Right. So, yeah, keep in mind if you guys get locked in the dairy cooler. Um, what were some of you guys' favorite jokes from this episode? Um, is it worth mentioning that uh, Randall killed a diabetic dude? <laughs> <laughs> you mean you have it? <laughs> that... That, that was a funny joke. That was joke. a gem. Yeah. Oh my god. I did like that. Perfect. Um, That's not even the worst joke. I do like the one where uh, where he's walking uh, where he's walking into the video store and the woman's like, 
my baby has been at home since morning. It's 3 a.m. And then she's, and he's like, I'm sorry we close at 9. <laughs> but no, no, no. And then when they get locked in because the key breaks... He's, like, knocking, and he's like, Hello, lady with the dead kid. <laughs> I, oh. love, I love Randall. Um, Randall's the best character in that in, in the entire show. I, I don't know if you guys knew this, but... Uh, yeah, Randall's the best character in the entire show, but also, arguably, in the movie. Besides Jay. Um, but if you guys didn't know, the reason why Randall has the best lines in Clerks the Movie is because Kevin Smith wrote the role for himself. But then once he realized that he couldn't do all those lines justice, he gave it to Jeff Anderson, a good friend of his at the time, I believe. I think only Brian O'Halloran was the one who auditioned for the role. Really? Of, uh, of uh, Dante, because he didn't know him at first. But I think, yeah, Jeff Anderson... Is it Anderson or, Al- or Albertson? I think it's, it's Anderson. Anderson. It's definitely Anderson. It's Anderson. So, Anderson, and obviously Jason Mewes was a good friend of Kevin Smith for a long time. I've met Jason Mewes a couple times, too. I have pictures of that. He doesn't charge for cons. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think still, I, I like, cherish the day that I thought he, like, called us out at CT, or, uh, Wizard World. When? That was, like, years ago. Oh, yeah, I was with you when we went to go see him. Yeah, and then we didn't actually go see him, and then we thought he called us up when we walked behind the booth. Oh. We also saw Lou Ferrigno that day, but that's... Oh, yeah, that's no. That's irrelevant. Seeing Lou Ferrigno at a, at a Comic-Con, Jesus. Here's a note about Lou Ferrigno. If you ever see him, do not take a picture of him. Always ask him for a picture, or be very sneaky about it. Because if Lou Ferrigno catches you taking a picture, he will crush your camera. Yeah. Man's an asshole. But that's why he does cons. He's got nothing better to do. Who's gonna fucking hire... Who's gonna hire Lou Ferrigno these days? Nobody. They don't even need him for the Hulk anymore. Yeah. Alright, so... Episode 3. Bobby? Episode 3. Leonardo is caught in the grip of an outbreak of Randall's imagination, and Patrick Swayze either does or doesn't work in the new pet store. Or... The Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I kid, I kid. Fuck you, Zack Snyder. (laughs) Anyway, so um, this is an Outbreak episode. You know, come to think about it, this this episode is probably the most like the Clerks movie. Without trying too hard, because I'd want to say a good... 80 to maybe 85% of it does take place in the quick stop and it is a lot of uh, Dante and, uh, uh, Dante. It, it is a lot of Dante and Randall just quipping about everything um, but there also are a lot of fantabulous elements to it uh, you know with the whole outbreak thing and you know having to stop a stealth bomber at the end <laughs> when they're on a helicopter. Why did I say this is the most like the movie? That just sounded wrong coming out. Oh my god. I, I love this show. Just, it's it's like this. Jay, like, hmm? 
Jay and Silent Bob teaching the monkey how to smoke. Oh my god, I love that when the monkey, uh, when the monkey falls over after taking a puff, and he's like, "Yo, try the lights." <laughs> my favorite joke, Bobby. You've heard me say this for years now, but just my favorite line in this entire series: "Nothing can kill the grimace." It's just it's it's the best thing to say. I mean, nothing can kill the Grimace. Oh my god. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried plays uh, Patrick Swayze. Alec Baldwin's back as Leonardo. I don't think he was in episode... Is he in episode two or is he just in... I know he does... No, I don't think they use Leonardo in no, episode two. No, he wasn't in no. episode two. No, he was not. No, okay. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Leonardo... He's less of a Mr. Burns type here. He's more... I don't know how to describe him. He's just kind of like a nosy neighbor. He pops into the quick stop uh, from time to time. And, you know, it revolves around him being sick because of these discreto burritos that Randall left out in the sun all day. Um, And him thinking because Leonardo got bit by a monkey and uh, ate the burritos and got sick that he was infected with the Manitoba virus? Manitoba, something like that. Um, and then hijinks ensue. And, uh, you know, this might be my favorite episode of the animated series, of the whole six episodes. You know, I had a hard time thinking of which one's my favorite episode, but... And him calling the CDC. He's calling the CDC, and he's like, oh... Uh, we've experienced an outbreak of the Manitoba virus. There's a guy at the video store uh, that looks paranoid, and he's like, just don't inhale. That's one of my favorite jokes. Um, also, one of my favorites is uh, they're on the helicopter. They just picked up Jay and Silent Bob, and the monkey starts uh, throwing a fit, and Randall is like, what's he doing? And then Jay's like, nicotine fit. And then Silent Bob does the exact same thing, and then they're like, well, what's he doing? Nicotine fit. <laughs> I don't know. I could, I could just rattle off jokes from this show all day. What did you guys think? What were some of your favorite jokes? Um, I definitely liked the nicotine fit one. Um, I also loved any time they had uh, the discount mayor McCheese. Oh, my God, yes. The mayor dressed up. I, I love that. Wanted to keep the... <laughs> costume on because he wanted to protect himself from the virus, but they weren't actually going to the same costume party. <laughs> I just love how irreverent that is. I, I, I love Mayor Big Mac. I, I love Officer Big Mac in this. He He's great. And I also loved anything that involved uh, Gilbert Godfrey's Patrick Swayze. Where oh he's just like a, where he's just like an errand boy at the pet store. We get to see Dante's parents. We do see them in the second episode, but they don't have any speaking lines, but in this one they are uh, characters kind of in this. We see them twice, and uh, I, I really like uh, Dante's dad where he's like, what did he say, pick up a carton of milk or something on the way home? Something like that. Yeah, or no, get scratch-offs. And then uh, his, it, and then when uh, Dante's mom yells at him to be more encouraging, he's like, you give those bull people hell, son. <laughs> I don't know. So that's my opinion on the third episode. Um, fourth episode, Bobby? After I get done reading this, I'm going to take a quick bathroom break. I just, 
Uh, I'm still going to read it. Don't pause. Yeah, I'm going to pause it after you read it. A dissertation on the American justice system by people who have never been inside a courtroom, let alone know anything about the law, but have seen way too many legal thrillers. I will be right back. So episode four kind of takes, as the title suggests, a satirical look at legal procedurals uh, revolving around a case between Jay and the quick stop where he accidentally slipped but then fell and he didn't really sue it's more Randall's meddling caused Dante and the quick stop to get sued and uh you know this episode is very Dante and Randall heavy uh we don't get to see a lot of Jay besides we don't get to see a lot of Jay besides him being the one that is suing obviously so he's kind of like an antagonist in this episode uh, even though he really doesn't really seem like he wants to be. I mean, he's not the one who actually pursued trying to get sued, trying to sue Dante and Randall. He's, you know, kind of just along for the ride with that, definitely. Uh, but what did you guys think of episode four? I thought it was really funny, really good. I love how, even though jay is the one suing he doesn't really understand a thing that's going on the entire time bobby those cameos though oh yeah with the whole uh george lucas steven spielberg judge reinhold michael buffer right uh who is who is michael buffered in this episode you know, I'm not quite sure. Let me check the IMDb really quick. Is he the is he the lawyer? You know, I wouldn't doubt it. But that makes me, sense. let me double check. Otherwise, I don't even know who Michael Buffer is. Let's get ready to rumble! Oh, no. He's the thing that Walter mentioned then. <laughs> Where they got the announcer... During the basketball game? Right, yeah. Yeah. Because the jury was made up entirely of NBA players. Right. little jab at the WNBA. Um, A jab at Patrick Ewing. Oh, yeah. For the fact that he couldn't come up clutch in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, just the filmmakers that they show. George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, uh, Joel Schumacher, uh, Woody Allen at some point. Uh, yeah, this definitely has the most, not, I wouldn't say guests, because none of these are actually portrayed by the people who, uh, they're supposed to be, but they definitely mention a lot of celebrities in there, which kind of does go back to the roots of Clerks, if you can call it that, where they do just talk about pop culture constantly in that movie, and as they do with a lot of Kevin Smith productions. Which, I mean, we like Kevin Smith for that, but I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with that. Saying that Kevin Smith can only tell one thing. It's either dick and fart jokes or just pop culture references. Which he does make fun of himself a lot for that. that that's all he can do. Um, to one point where he was actually attached or in, in, negotiation, in negotiations to do an adaption of uh, either Bionic Man or Million Dollar Man. And he said uh, it was Bionic Man. So he was attached 
he said he was in negotiations to make a Bionic Man movie. And he said that he had no idea how to do an action movie like that. And he was afraid the best he could do is to have Bionic Man hide behind a rock. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> later on, and I, I confirmed this, but uh, he did write a Bionic Man comic book. And there is a scene where Bionic Man hides behind a rock. That's so, funny. The one thing Kevin Smith is really good at is making fun of himself. And, uh, you know, this one kind of gets a little edgy. I gotta say, uh, there's a really just out there uh, black person joke that Randall makes where... I mean, you know, I'm going to get a little blue for a second, but he goes in front of the jury, which is all NBA All-Stars, which happen to be all black NBA All-Stars, and uh, he just says the N-word? No, he doesn't! Uh, okay, okay. I mean, so, he might as well cut off. <laughs> that didn't happen. He didn't... That didn't happen. And, uh... <laughs> that's not going to be on the podcast. Okay. <laughs> But he does. He says stuff like, uh, "Oh, Dante definitely loves his grape soda," or he hates when the stores don't take his food stamps, or you're waiting for the welfare checks. He make he goes there, and uh, obviously this is before Clerks Two, and Clerks Two is definitely the most racist thing that uh, happens in a Kevin Smith movie. There's definitely that. Which we're not going to talk about, but if you he's know, bringing it back. Yeah, yep. <laughs> if you know Clerks Two, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's okay, I'm bringing it back. That's not even that. You guys not remember? I, I, oh, is it the one where he? Yeah, was where he? Listing? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that little nugget. The best scene in that entire movie. <laughs> Like, every time I see it, I just The views of Walter don't necessarily reflect the views of Capacity Geek Podcast. Need I? Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. The best scene is the ABC dance scene. Yes. Fair. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, some of your favorite jokes from the episode, boys? I really liked the ending oh, where God, yeah. the remainder of the episode got lost overseas, so it had to be rewritten by Korean animators. <laughs> oh my God! Of course, yes. he would. You fucking weeb, Walter. I really like being a sports fan. I liked some of the jokes they made, like based on the basketball players. Like, Patrick Ewing can't make a jump shot. Patrick Ewing and the Knicks can't do anything in the playoffs. I really liked the whole, they gave us $5 for breakfast. This place is great. <laughs> I do like that. Oh, my God. Um, why don't we move on to... Oh, I get a sigh here. Is it because we're going to talk about episode five? Bobby? This is the longest episode title yet. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Episode 5, Bob. Let me, uh... <laughs> take a sip of water here. A title so long, you have to hydrate first. Do they get longer each episode, or...? Kind of. 
except for uh, episode six, but we're not there yet. Okay. Dante and Randall and Jay and Silent Bob and a bunch of new characters in Lando take part in a whole bunch of movie parodies, including, but not exclusive to, The Bad News Bears, The Last Starfighter, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, plus a high school reunion. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Put that in there, too. <laughs> right. So, the best thing about this show is if we just name the episode titles, we basically just have a summary of what happens in the episode, which is great. They go to their high school reunion. Um, they say that it's the high school reunion for the class of 70, 80, and 90, but what's left of the class of 80 as a joke that made Walter gasp. The only other joke in the series that made Walter gasp like this was in the second episode, which I'm surprised he didn't mention, but uh, when they did a mashup of two Steven Spielberg productions, The Flintstones, which he produced, and Schindler's List. (laughs) I forgot about that already. Oh my god. God. The one thing he says to us after that scene is, oh, don't you guys wish that movie was real so we could watch it? No! The hell's wrong with you? You can't say that wouldn't be the most ridiculous thing. No, it wouldn't. It'd still be a Holocaust movie. But with the Flintstones. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, but the only other joke that made Walter gasp like that was when they just completely reenact the Challenger blowing up with the class of 1980. But, you know, it was 30 years ago, so it's okay. Yeah, it's fine to parody it. It's, it's fun fine. To, it's fine. According, it's, according to Walter, it's okay to make fun of things that are over 30 years old. Walter's 30 years old, so... Actually, at this point, he's over 30 years old, so we can make fun of him. Oh, yeah, we've been doing it a lot. Shenanigans ensue... Uh, we learn that Randall turns any woman he's been with, or maybe theorize any woman he's at least been been in, he's at least been in proximity to, into a lesbian. Yeah, which includes the girl that tried to hook up with him at the high school reunion, who he ditched to play an arcade game. Right, Pharaoh, which. Uh, they definitely mentioned The Last Starfighter, but I also heard that a uh, little bit of... Uh, I also heard a little bit of influence was from the game Polybius. Which may or may not be an urban legend. Right. Where they did mention that... Or, with Polybius, a little bit of background of Polybius, it was an arcade game that is kind of like an urban legend. Some people say they've played it, some people have not. But it's said to cause seizures, violent outbursts, and... Oh, God. Well, we're not sure if this is real or not, but... Um, there was also theories that the government was using it, using it to spy on gamers before they rose up. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... But that could have also been from the plot of Last Starfighter, which they definitely use this here. And uh, this is definitely, like Bobby said the most parody heavy episode because we do get we do get parodies of Last Starfighter, Temple of Doom, and uh Bad News Bears. This is also the one where Randall and Dante where Dante and Randall are together the least. 
they both kind of have side plots, which is kind of neat, seeing them in their, in other elements, seeing them, seeing Randall actually having a tough time for once. Yeah. Well, Dante overall is kind of thriving. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually nice to see that kind of change, because Dante, I'll say this, Dante is the character that I relate to most of. Same. Just because he is kind of like this down on his luck, honest, kind of caring guy, where he's just been in a bad situation in life, not just in the TV show, but also in the movies, too. Um, Luckily, I haven't seen the reboot. I don't know if he's in it. But I know at least where Clerks 2 left off, him and Dante and... Jane Bob, Becky Elias, just all the characters, him and Dante, I said, didn't I? Yeah. Where Dante Randall, Becky Elias, uh, Jane Salabob, they all kind of have their happy ending where, yes, they're stuck at the quick stop, but they decided to buy it for themselves. And they're, yeah, they're kind of in the same place, status quo as they are at the end of the Clerks movie in Clerks 2, but... They're, they're like in a better place. They're happy with their lives now. Yeah, cause <laughs> it's like their lives are in the same place, mm-hmm. but now instead of someone else running their lives, they're running their lives. Which instead of someone else running the store, they're running the stores. Cause mm-hmm. I believe Randall also bought the RF video. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's RST. RST video? Yeah. Well, I think it's implied. I know... I know it wasn't like this in... uh, I'm not sure. But at least in the Clerks universe, they're owned by the same people. I think they weren't owned by the same people in in real life. But I know now that the RST video store is no more. It's just a quick stop in that... uh, In that couple of stores and the building there which uh i mentioned this earlier but the quick stop is a real place he shot that at his place of work um so yeah we kind of trailed off what were we talking about episode five right episode five what about episode five guys we're making the conversation bigger we were on dante we were on dante but it's nice to hear Dante for once. And I think till, yeah, basically the entire episode, he's high on life. He's doing great with his little league team with Jay and Silent Bob. He's thriving. Fun fact about Jay, by the way. Uh-huh. He was held back so many times. He's still technically in fourth grade, so he can play on that team. At the age of 26. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what were your favorite jokes on this episode, boys? Um... I just loved a lot of the jokes from Dante's Little League team, especially the the one they called the quote-unquote weird foreign kid. Oh, yeah, the... And how he wasn't responding to anything except, what, some random sound effect that Dante made? A cough. Yeah, he that, coughed. That's called a cough. He just coughed and 
the kid starts watch us like crawling around on all fours. Oh yeah, that was weird. I do like the ending where it does parody Temple of Doom where all the sick Milner's kids are running back to their parents and then uh Dante's like, No, we still got a game to play which I don't know. I say I relate to Dante, but he does do some damning things in the entire franchise. Specifically in this episode. Yeah, he is a little kind of a dick at the end, where he does force the kids to, you know, still play ball even though they're all sickly and dying and all that. But uh, I guess we can forgive him. That it's it's an animated series. It's, it's not a, a one-time thing. It's It'll never fine. happen again. Right. Even though he, we could look back on this in thirty years and still say that it was okay. Yeah. Yes. Even though he had the intent to cheat on his girlfriend in Clerks One, and and he cheated on his fiance in Clerks Two. Oh yeah, that. <laughs> God, like Randall says in Clerks Two, how is it you always have? Two beautiful women going after you. You look like a chud. Alright, boys. Final episode time. Bobby? I need a drum roll for this one, guys. Episode 6. The last episode ever. That's the title. It's the entire title. Man. Alright, so we open up on a parody of uh, comic book conventions where Dante and Randall are speaking at a panel... Uh, nobody's at the panel. They think they're early, but they're actually 20 minutes late. Um, they get slammed because it's nothing like the movie, uh, by people who are actually at the panel. Uh, we have a nice reference to movies, the restaurant, and the Clerks franchise. Obviously, where Dante and Randall work at in Clerks 2, uh, first appeared in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I believe. Dude, I just filled the cup. Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. It's been a hot minute since I've seen Strike Back. Well, alright, I'll tell you guys later because this is a family joke, a show. But he filled the cup. So the final episode, uh, besides this weird Matrix-like opening, which I did mention during our rewatch, that uh, Dante Naked in this scene is actually anatomically correct. So when they show a shot of him naked and it's blurred, there's actually a little dick and balls in there. Which is uh-huh. a nice added detail, I guess. For some reason. And uh, it's not black and white, admittedly, but uh, it does take place completely in the quick stop. Uh, we get mentioned that there's a huge carnival and just a bunch of weird stuff happening outside but they refuse to go outside because just because they refuse to go outside so everything until about the ending where they everything until the end where they parody the classic 1953 Looney Tunes short Duck Amok is completely confined into the quick stop which is like the movie but also there is still satirical, very nonsensical things happening with the two freak show twins, the 
just nonsensical, eventually calling Bill Clinton, of all people. <laughs> uh, Bill Clinton was not in office in 2000, 2001. That was Bush Jr., I believe, right? Yes, because 9-11. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, so what were your thoughts on this episode? Like I said earlier, this one tends to drag for me. It seems a lot longer than 22 minutes. Like... My whole thing. I hated the whole shtick with the Matrix reference. Oh, oh they yeah. played that out so much. Oh, my like, God. the episode was written by Stephen... No, the episode was written by Kevin Smith and David Mandel. And I love Kevin Smith, but... The Matrix, for this long... It, like, I get it. It's, a, it's totally a period thing. The Matrix is new and exciting, and then it eventually becomes a trilogy that kind of flops. But... Like Kevin Smith's films. Yeah, kind of like Kevin Smith's films. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Kevin. Love you, Kevin. But just that whole shtick, did, it did not go well. Even, like, toward the end, where. Randall's trying to make stuff happen and summons beef jerky. Or it was actually turkey jerky. Right. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Um, I did like the part, though, where uh, where the Matrix guy is like, all right, we don't have to talk about the Matrix. We can talk about uh, how things have been in our lives. Girls who've broken our hearts. Uh, the Matrix. <laughs> that, that one that's is good. I, I do like that joke. I, I, I don't know, it's it, it's just very funny to me. Uh, Walter, what did you like about this episode? Um, I liked the whole side plot with Caitlin Bree pretty much sleeping with everybody whose name isn't Dante. Oh, yeah. Good old Caitlin Bree. May she rest in peace until I get up there. So, uh... One fun thing about this, uh, the last shot where Jane and Silent Bob are revealed to be the artists instead of Bugs Bunny. Um, I pointed this out, but right in the back you see a Blunt Man and Chronic poster, which is obviously um, kind of the superhero duo that Jane and Silent Bob inspire in the Busk Universe movies. Also on the wall there is art from the Clerks comic book series. Published by Oni Press, which, um, Oni Press boys, you know, like, uh, Scott Pilgrim, Seconds, Lost at Sea, basically a lot of Brian Lee O'Malley stuff, who is probably my favorite artist in the comic book world at the time. Uh, you guys know much of Oni Press? I do not. I definitely do, especially with, you know, Scott Pilgrim. I love Scott Pilgrim so much. If only we could do an episode, but Walter decided to watch it, the bastard. I saw it in theaters. Yeah, me too. Same. Damn it. Now we can't do an episode on it, because we all know it. Because this is the format of the show, god damn it. We, we can do, like, a short episode about, you know, Scott Pilgrim, the game. Or just have to, like, buy a new Xbox 360 controller and to play. We'd have to buy a new Xbox 360 with it installed. Yeah, good luck finding one Actually, of just kidding, I have it on my PS3. Hey, that could be an episode. Is it installed? Yeah. That's what I checked. Bring your PS3 tomorrow. Do you have controllers? I have one. Fuck. Yeah, I know. We're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so 
series as a whole, um, I think it could have ran longer. Maybe been a little bit more like the TV show. It would have been nice if Adult Swim picked it up so they could kind of get a little bit more uncensored, but also the production quality compared to other Adult Swim shows that aren't, or other Adult Swim shows that are made by Adult Swim, because let's look, we have Aqua Teen Hunger Force, we have Squidbillies, Metalocalypse is the exception, because that one does have very decent art. Yeah. Uh, Venture Brothers, but... Venture, I... Venture Brothers also does have really nice... Okay, I was wrong. Adult Swim does have shows that are kind of, um, uh, have some very nice art to them. The Boondocks. Like Boondocks. Oh, God, Boondocks, how? I've never been much of a huge fan of the Boondocks, but I will admit the animation is just beautiful. It HBO is. Max, baby, it's coming back. What? Yeah, you didn't hear? Oh, God, no, I didn't. Boondocks is coming back, Jesus. HBO Max. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah, I feel like they could have done more episodes, but I feel like that animation budget, for what it is, you know, just based on a very popular independent film, but something very different in the 19, uh, from the 1990s, I feel like Adult Swim wouldn't have wanted to bank on that. They do typically like to do original shows, license properties aren't really their thing I can't think of another Adult Swim show that is based on a licensed property like that except maybe like you know our favorite Harvey, Harvey Birdman, Birdman Attorney, Attorney at Law <sighs> you know I just realized the other day I still haven't seen uh, Harvey Birdman Attorney General or whatever it's called the, uh, the special I haven't yeah, seen it yet it's been it like so a year good. wait a minute wasn't C-Lab 2021 yeah, yeah, well, I mean, like, those, yeah, like, C-Lab, Space Ghost, but, like, they never actually made a show without it being reused animation, like what Clerks Animated would be. Right. Yeah, but, I don't know, maybe since we're getting Clerks 3, we could get a revival. So, speaking of Clerks 3, let's uh, talk Clerks Sellout really quick. Clerks Sellout? Yeah, that was supposed to be... A theatrical feature that was uh, going to be like you know a movie version of the TV show in this style. Yes. Ooh. But um, it went from theatrical to direct to video to just not being made because uh, at the time the Weinstein's left Miramax and. Uh, Disney didn't want to work with the Weinsteins since, you know, they kind of own Miramax. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. <clears throat> you said the Weinsteins? The Weinsteins. Oof, like Harvey Weinstein and Bob Weinstein? Yeah. I'm going to have them censor out the word Weinstein. I like it. But, uh, yeah, the, <clears throat> the rights to the show were still owned by Disney, and they didn't want to work with the Weinstein company. But, oh, um, so this would be owned by Disney then? Yes, at this point. Disney Plus, <laughs> get on it. But um, not but have a nooch. They but, wouldn't uh, go uncensored on Disney Plus because they all they only want to go up to PG thirteen. Adventures in Babysitting is on there, and they say fuck. And also, this was only uncensored because of the DVD features. True. But um, I guess in two thousand seven, Kevin Smith said 
that because of the whole Miramax Weinstein thing, you'll see a Jane Silent and Bob cartoon before Clerks sell out. But now we have some exciting news. Uh-huh. Clerks 3. That script loosely, or rather closely follows the plot to Clerks sell out. So what you're saying is that Kevin Smith just went into his went into his closet and pulled out the script of Clerks Sell Out and made it to be a live action film instead of a animated film? Yeah. Oh, does that mean we're not going to get Becky and Elias? I hope Rosario Dawson comes back. I know she's she would be great. But, um... This is our second Rosario Dawson. This is our second episode where we mention Rosario Dawson and how much we love her, isn't it? Yeah, she is a terrific actress. But, um... I guess, though, I'm not sure if we're going to see Rosario Dawson because, according to this article that I just pulled up, Kevin Smith says Clerks 3 is about the clerks making clerks. What? What? Yes. So... He already made that movie. Zack and Mary makes... Zack and Mary make a porno is actually a loose adaption of his story of getting Clerks the movie made. He's admitted that. Oh, Lord. But, um, that movie. Just skimming through this article. Um, they're figuring it out the same way I figured it out. Smith told the rap. But I have the benefit of being able to cherry pick all of my favorite stories and moments. He also said that the fictional movie within Clerks 3 will have to be filmed in black and white. With Smith noting that he gets to do the same fucking movie and scene in the movie. So literally it's literally it's going to be Clerks the prequel but not really because the Clerks movie that they're making in Clerks 3 is fake but uh, that being said it, it, it's a movie within a movie within a movie within a cartoon What the hell? If you really think about it mm. I try not to Because Clerks 3 is a movie about Kevin Smith remaking Clerks inside Clerks 3, but it's actually Clerks 4, Clerks 4, and it's also the Clerks cartoon because episode 7 or whatever, or, you know, Clerks All Out was supposed to be this very movie that I'm rambling on about. So do you guys actually think Clerks 3 is happening? I sincerely hope so at this point. What is this, like the fourth time he's announced he's working on Clerks 3? I, it's the second time that it's been a very concrete announcement, because I remember it was back in 2015 or 2016. Right. I'm pretty he, sure we're going to see Masters of the Universe before we see Clerks. Masters of the Universe, is he doing that too? Mm-hmm, for Netflix. Yeah, in like 2015 or 2016, he hardcore announced Clerks 3 was being written and the script was finished. Right. And then I think... They just had a p- big problems getting everyone together. Yeah. I think it, a lot of it was uh, Jeff Anderson. Didn't right. Didn't want to come back as yeah, Angel at the time. Definitely is playing the Bill Murray card over here, not wanting it to be a part of the sequels again. But I think he's turned around, right? Yes. Okay, that's good. Brian O'Halloran's coming back. Obviously, if Kevin Smith's coming back, Jason Mewes is coming back. Um, very well publicized stories of Jason Mewes' addiction. <laughs> And uh, Kevin Smith, in his kind of autobiography slash memoirs, My Boring Ass Life, 
that he released a couple years back. Um, he details uh, Jason Mewes' struggles with uh, addiction and just how hard it was for Mewes to uh, get better, get clean, get help. And he's clean now. I know he had another relapse after the book released, but uh, so far he's been doing good. I know they, they what? They toured together doing like uh, spoken word stuff for what, a couple years? Yeah. I know that Kevin Smith started and kept that going as something for Jason Mewes to be doing right. to keep him off the drugs. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith, he doesn't release a lot of movies. I think his last one was that Yoga Hoosers movie with uh, his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter, which that's very weird, but um, Harley Quinn Smith, uh, Kevin's daughter, and uh, whatever her name is, Johnny Depp's daughter, uh, they're very close friends. Actually, in My Boring Ass Life, uh, it's more of a diary that he writes, but uh, he wrote it around the time that Harley Quinn was in like kindergarten, around that age and everything, and uh, he does mention that uh, she's friends with Johnny Depp's daughter and that they were in the same kindergarten class and they both like nodded at each other. Kevin Smith, man, he's like the luckiest guy on earth. He is. He... I think. Like, uh, of us. Because, I don't know, I, I love Kevin Smith. Same. I, I wouldn't say that he would, but he'd probably give this podcast a listen if he had the time. But like, he's done so many things like podcasting uh live shows uh losing a shit ton of weight like he, he's lost him. so much what? <clears throat> i said good on him i mean yeah I, I think he had like a heart attack last year yeah too but like he that had was the after, widowmaker the widowmaker yeah it which is what like an 80 percent fatality oh yeah and he was lucky enough to have the right people around him that got him to the hospital quick enough. Yeah. But uh, he's also done some episodes for the CW, uh, Supergirl, The Flash. I think he did a few episodes of Arrow. Um, Degrassi. He did Degrassi. Jane and Bob were in Degrassi for a little bit. But he's done a ton of stuff and... Uh, Shit, I'm gonna go blue for a second, but I think this entire episode was us sucking Kevin Div- uh, Kevin Smith's balls for like an hour and twenty minutes now. But uh, thank you, Kevin Smith. We wouldn't have done this thing without us, without you. We couldn't have done this thing without you. And we made it past five episodes, unlike some people on this show's opinions. All right, I think that's gonna do it for the main show, guys. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Bobby and Walter. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Hey, guys. Looks like we're doing an extra bits this time. Uh, I forgot if we did extra bits last week. Did we? I don't think so. I don't think so. We haven't done extra bits for a bit. But uh, Walter has something to say. Hold on. Oh, jeez. Winner Micah. Jesus, Alex. (laughs) He lived... But most people don't. Yeah, well, I'm not most people. Walter has something to say. Walter? Thank you. 
I just want to take this time to discuss something that all three of us love, but we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about on the podcast, and that is the good old world of video games. And one that just came out, it's getting a whole lot of praise, it's getting a whole lot of love. It's from Obsidian. They made Fallout New Vegas, which I know Bobby over here loves despite the fact that it was broken on console. And it's called The Outer Worlds. And if you want to simplify The Outer Worlds, it's like Fallout if Bethesda would just stop being stubborn and update their engine. It's beautiful. It's vast worlds. It's a deeper character creation than anything Bethesda's done. It's decision-making that feels incredibly weighty, which is rare these days amongst major titles. And this is a very major title because it's Obsidian's first game since they've been bought out by Microsoft. But since they were already working on this game, it's not an Xbox exclusive. It's out on PC. It's out on PS4. It's going to be out on Switch. And it's just this this interplanetary RPG where you're going from planet to planet, gathering up this group of followers, or staying by yourself, because you have that choice too, but it would make everything so much more difficult to run this solo. And you're fighting this big corporation. And I've put about five and a half, six hours into it. And it's just got me hooked. The characters are great. The gameplay is great. Unlike a lot of Bethesda games recently, the combat's actually really good. It feels like modern combat, unlike The Elder Scrolls or Fallout, where a lot of it feels dated and clunky where this it feels nice it feels smooth each gun feels different instead of every gun feeling the literal same like is such a problem with the fallout games and with the disaster that was fallout 76 it still has a player base Wait, hold on. He said the 76 word, so can I explode real quick? Yes. Bobby! What? What is this thing that they just announced where it's like $100 and you can play it alone? Oh, right. They decided, instead of, you know, giving the players what they want, a single-player experience, if you pay $100, you get, I don't know, X amount of months worth of, like, private servers that you can play on your own or play with your friends who cares you get an outfit yeah you get an outfit everybody loves skins let's go back to like you know the old age of steam where everybody was crazy about hats during tf2 i know i was crazy about hats i love my hats and that's like just the thing that separates this from what Bethesda's doing because Obsidian 
gave us a is giving you a great single player experience. Something that you're not going to have to pay $100 a year for. If you have Game Pass, which is $10 a month on Xbox, you get the game for free. And I cannot recommend this game enough. It's one of my favorite games of the year so far, and I've barely scratched the surface of it. I can't wait to play more. I can't wait to see where the story goes. Do you guys have any experience with the Bethesda games that maybe... I think we all just shat on Fallout 76 for a second, so I'd say we all about did. I yeah. like the Fallout games a bit, yeah. Yeah, and this is just a more polished, like, at its base level, the most simplistic thing, it's a more polished Fallout. Well, controversial opinion, didn't Obsidian also take the helm on arguably the best Fallout game in this generation? Yeah. New Vegas? Yeah. So, I guess it's not a Bethesda thing. And they also did both of the uh, South Park games, which I haven't played either of them, but I've watched a lot of streams for both of them, and it looks like a ton of fun. I played a little (laughs) bit of Stick of Truth, and I had a good time with it when I did. Alright, well, uh, Needless to say, uh, what you just heard was not a paid promotion by Microsoft or Obsidian, and yeah. Yeah, not paid, all truly the opinions of me. Go out, play this game, support Obsidian, don't support Bethesda, don't buy Fallout 76, don't get that stupid subscription service. Just buy an actual good game. And, uh... Newly announced again. If you're really interested and don't feel like uh, buying the game at full price, or if you just like you know don't want to buy the game at full price on a non-Microsoft console, Microsoft is coming back with Xbox All Access starting November, which means uh, yeah, sorry, this is probably not going to be relevant by the time this episode releases. But um, Xbox All Access, it's a payment plan for any Xbox console, starting at roughly $20 a month based on your credit check. You get an Xbox One, uh, One S, One X, One S All Digital, whatever. And um, you get 24 months of Game Pass with it for basically free, but not really. so yeah, if you don't have an Xbox, go out and get one, or wait for All Access to start again, and uh, get one for roughly $20 a month. And is it the same as last time, where you had to get it from a standalone Microsoft store? Um, I think they have expanded it since. I think I'd have to really look into it, but I'm pretty sure GameStop is one of the retailers that are doing it. But like I said, there is also a credit check involved, so maybe eligible, maybe not be eligible. Find out for yourself. This episode's gonna be a bitch and a half to edit. We're already an hour thirty. Alright. And ending on that, those are my thoughts on the outer worlds. This has been extra bits. Thank you for listening. And good night. Next week on Capacity to Geek. 
despite what people say now that he's kind of a sellout, that he's kind of, you know, he's uh, definitely doing a lot of work with IMDb these days, which is weird. I think he has an exclusive show on there, which is, how the, how the hell do you have an exclusive show on IMDb? When did IMDb become a... A streaming platform? Right. Or, I think it's on IMDb, his show, where uh, he's, like, running a weed store. Once my uh, laptop decides that it wants to do something, I'll look more into that. You want me to help you out, pause, look at it? Uh, it's trying to open opera right now. Open opera? Yeah, use opera. Use opera? Yeah. Be an adult and use Chrome. It's got a built-in VPN, fight me. Be an adult and use Firefox. I mean, that's acceptable, too. My computer just won't. Everything. Everything. Like I'm doing it in a Jamaican accent. Everything, Mom. That's racially insensitive, Walter. Yeah, fuck you, Walter.